Um, welcome to Inner Leadership. We are doing a bunch of series of interviews with our leaders to understand a bit more about themselves. So before we start, could you please tell us more about yourself and your journey? Yes. So my name is Jake, Jake Alaka, and I've spent the last decade or just over a decade working in professional sport, um, working with teams and individual athletes. And that's ranged from uh, combat sports to rugby union and uh, more recently Formula One and now motorsport. Uh, with another team. The last few years has also, I've grown into the role of more sort of moving away from sports science and sports performance and more into personal coaching and personal development. Um, and that's actually now the sort of main premise of my uh, coaching company, Force and Grace, and the work, some of the work I've done with Inner Leadership around how my experience in Formula One feeds into yeah, personal development and people in business, sport, performing arts, achieving uh, high levels of performance and, and personal growth. Um, as a performance coach, how do you get someone to perform at, on edge of one's capacity? Um, well, well I, I don't. I don't get them to perform at the edge of their capacity. They do. They do the work. And whether it's in terms of a motorsport performance package or personal development, the role is to cultivate the conditions that reveal the possibility of an individual or team rather than the probability of an individual or team. Um, how do you estimate limits of a person and how do you know how much you can push them further as an athlete? Similar to the previous question in terms of revealing possibility, uh, early on in a coaching conversation with a, with a driver um, is around goal setting and it's known as the well-formed outcome model. And it's, a, it's an in-depth sort of goal setting model. But what that does is also show up are they ready? What, what are the levels of commitment and also the understanding of the things they say and how, how ready are they? So that would be the only area where possibly limits might come into it. We're obviously trying to get allow them to realise that we're, we're not going to place a limit on their potential. And there is no limit on people's potential because we don't hit an end point. You're constantly in process and you're constantly developing and you're constantly growing, even just sitting here now from a biological level our cells are breaking down and changing so if we went up the scale of that level of process we're constantly in process and it's a way that i would talk to the racing drivers even corporate clients to say that we move away from that static language that we're in process so the well-form outcome model is a nice tool to get clarity on what it is we're we're going after and a specific goal or a specific objective um, so how do you keep a balance of both pushing someone to perform their best and also instilling co confidence in them? Um, build momentum and aim low. And what I mean by that is if we're starting out on a goal, recognize how you're building momentum and be aware of that and don't discredit it. And that will be helped by aiming low. So of course, so I sit down with a racing driver and he says, yeah, I want to be a world champion. Okay brilliant uh, that's good and i want you to have high ambition what and working backwards from that point how are we going to start building the steps and and building a really big foundation to start putting things in place to get there and if the ambitions at that point are too high it's one it's not going to be sustainable two it's probably not going to be ecological in terms of how it fits with the rest of my daily life what else i value so 
being humble enough to aim low. And that's the way we're going to build momentum. You get aim low first and you're going to get your dial in your consistency, dial in patterns of new habits. And yeah, that's, that's how we start. Um, as a performance coach, what excites you most about what you do? When I first started in sports science and, and solely the physical preparation of athletes, it was sharing kind of special moments. And it was whether it was a, a big win against a team or winning a race and kind of experiencing those moments. And they are fantastic. That's the privileged moments that being involved in elite sport gives you. But then it's also how it works. If I'm coaching someone, an individual or a team, and they recognize things they couldn't do before, possibilities that they didn't really try things. Seeing those small wins is the day-to-day excitement of the job. And it works both ways. It's also, it's, that's also feeds back to me and feeds forward. So it's a nice, I learn new stuff about myself all the time. And, and I have the same concerns and shyness and, and, and self-doubt as we all do when I apply to myself. Really exciting to do that and realize it can work for a wide range of people from elite racing drivers to businessman to to anybody what was the most challenging task or job you have ever encountered in your career so far so far um probably the most uh complex and and self-searching role was my role in in formula one when i first went to formula one having not knowing anything of that sport prior it was a really steep learning curve for me and thrust into a pretty big limelight very fortunately with such a good driver as as Max Verstappen um things he sort of went on to achieve and will go on to achieve that was great but also very complex it caused me to search a lot of more introspection of how I can gain influence in fields that I'm not maybe much of an authority in so that was the complex role but probably the hardest in terms of physical sort of effort and mental strain my first role on my own as a strength and conditioning coach with Jersey rugby club in the channel islands they'd just gone to the championship which was the second tier of professional rugby in the uk and we were for the first two years of our of our time in that league we were scrapping for survival otherwise we would have got relegated and we just survived each time kind of nail biting hollywood style finish to to survive but the reason why that was such a big release of emotion each the first two years that we did it because of the kind of sacrifices that people put on there you know these guys whether it's younger players or older players they're not on big salaries certainly nothing like a a, a racing driver or a formula one driver you know they're really getting by on sort of the bare minimum but the effort and commitment from people from the groundsman to the head coach to the older players, you really felt that sort of struggle and sacrifice and, and the reward was a, a great feeling. So that was hard in terms of effort, but the, the outcome was, was fantastic. Um, so you've mentioned you worked with businessmen and Formula One drivers and rugby players. Um, so how does your technique change from one client to another? There are certain things that I might start uh, an intake session with whether that's with a corporate client or even with a with a race team and a, and a racing driver for example the, the well-formed outcome model i touched on is often a good first conversation to have but after that my it's not so much me inputting a technique or a strategy on there the motto is the client does the work so rather than me leading and suggesting I follow the clients in terms of things they say, in terms of things they don't say, in terms of their eye movement, because our, our eye sort of visual acuity and our eye 
chatter or eye talk, if you like, gives us a good indication as to what how someone is processing information. So that's often sort of cues that I'll look for. But there's not so much one technique that, oh, you know, I've got a racing driver, right, they need this hat on, right, I've got a businessman, they, they need this hat on. Like I say, that's starting as a start point, that may be the case. But then once we get going, I follow the client and I, there'll be some nudges and it's just, I hold up what they've said, what they haven't said, how their physiology reacts. And it's just, that's the technique, but I don't have a cookie cutter that I go along and say, right, well, that one's for you, that one's for you. I follow the client wherever he or she may, may go. Um, your job itself is quite high pressure since you work with very professional athletes. And how do you follow the philosophy of apply to self? Uh, it's a good question. The, the way that I, I certainly uh, uh, endeavour to and try to is is at the end of the week, uh, I kind of would calibrate my week. I would check in. So if and I go through that perspective, I say, if I was a racing driver that I was coaching, would I be happy to sign off on that week that I've just completed? You know, have I nailed the basics of in terms of looking after my physical state through my sleep? my recovery, my mental energy and my training. Okay, fine. And what else, you know, how have I been? If it was a racing driver, how's he been with the team? Has he connected with the team? Has he connected had some time with himself? And we can do that. And actually lockdown is providing opportunity to put that perspective on it. How have I been in my team? Is it with my partner, with any kids in the house? Um, when did I give my power away? And uh, I recently wrote a short blog on this. But that, so the four powers of what we, what we think, what we feel, what we say and what we do. How effective have I been at running myself in that area? So just checking in, doesn't have to be every day, doesn't even have to be every week, but making sure that you stop, step back and check in with that pattern. What is your idea of mindful coaching? I think mindful coaching for me, and again, whether in performance, sort of competitive place, motorsport or developmental coaching with a corporate client, is the quality of your listening. So for me, mindful coaching is where am I on in terms of scales of listening? If sort of level one is what we call download listening. And that's when you're in a conversation with someone and you know the other person isn't really listening. They're sort of nodding and they might be checking their phone as they're speaking. And, you know, that was level one. All the way through to what's known as sacred listening. Um, and, and through this scale, across this scale, there's a few stages in between. It's just a question of value. How much value are you placing on what you are, what information you're receiving, whether that's verbal communication or, or nonverbal communication through body language? So I would say for me, mindful coaching is how I show up and the value I place on my on my listening, which as a coach, and if I'm there to support and coach someone, it should be right at that top level of sacred listening, being fully present into what you're experiences of the information you're receiving so would you say that those are your important life skills that you've learned along your journey or if not please share with us yeah so 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 applying to self one and within that would come my listening there's a sort of saying in coaching uh, to lose your mind and come to your senses um when you do that self-talk um if you take the sport of golf for example golfer hits a shot and then walks for three four minutes on his own probably just talking to himself in his head and 
come to your senses is again being fully present and for me is mindfulness to experience what's going on around you taking information in through your eyes through your ears through your nose all the the senses through your kinesthetic senses movement so essentially losing our mind getting out of our head coming to our senses fully is being present and a more of a personal one for myself when it comes to communicating i actually find has been a big lesson is looking down at my my gut so if I look down at my gut, I speak from my gut instinct in conversations and in my experience in elite sport. They're, they're, we've all been there at times where we wanted to say something, but we thought, oh, no, it's not the right time. Uh, I shouldn't say that because so and so or such and such. So we, we bottle it down. I've experienced that if there's anything meaningful to say, but maybe perceived as difficult, I find it easier for that truth to come out if I look down at my my stomach as I'm speaking. Now, someone might think that might be rude because I'm not looking at them, but I'm actually trying to draw up the courage to speak uh, what is true for me in that moment. And this is what coaching is, is actually dialing in a lot of our thinking to our physiology. I really feel I'm almost drawing up the words that are really deep down in my gut instinct. Conversely, the opposite is true. If if I'm in conversation with someone and I've maybe asked a difficult question or I want to say something difficult, I start looking up and I'm in that executive mind. I'm thinking too much. Actually, by looking up, I'm suppressing, pushing down the truth of what it is maybe that I want to say at the time. So if you're in a difficult conversation and you want to say something that might be perceived as difficult, for me, it's look to your gut instinct. It's rarely wrong. That's where you'll often draw up your strength and courage to say it. Um, so what's one thing you wish you had known before you began your profession? You know, it's a question where I think maybe I could say, oh, no, you know, nothing. It's what, what, what I've known now because it was all good learning at the time. But uh, probably that little tip of looking down to my gut and what that enables me to do, similar to apply to self first, but it's to go first in any social interaction in any uh, virtual platform such as zoom you know go first put your hand up ask a question whatever it is go first because it's a question of trust that i can then handle whatever the after effect is it's linked to again communication if we if we know we've got to have a difficult conversation at work or at home um often we'd have had the conversation with ourselves three or four times before we've had that conversation and what we're set, what we're playing up to there is an element of self-doubt because rather than having a dialogue with someone we've had a monologue with ourselves five or six times and it's just to say and speak your truth and be like with your truth and then handle whatever it is and and the the title the phrase of go first just jump in and go first and then handle it trust yourself that you're a fully matured adult with a life so far that you, whatever your life stages biologically so far you've got all this wisdom and experience with you you can then handle uh, the after so go first are there any more resources that have helped you along the way in your own learning journey besides awareness and mindfulness uh just i've been very lucky to sort of get pulled along by other coaches and in my time in formula one or even in rugby i had access to speak to many other coaches and that was they have been my best resources. A lot of them are, you know, are good friends now. So speaking to other coaches has been um, my best resource. And then practicing, practicing my coaching. Even, even now when I'm coaching clients or with a racing driver in a, or a race team, I consider that my practice you know, tool. I'm, I'm never the finished article and I'm constantly practicing any, any session that I do.
curriculum for corporate clients and what would your message be to them and what important skills can you help teach their teams and their leaders to achieve their own goals? Well, the message would be, uh, actually, I've found is, is to get really clear and really specific on what it is that may be the, the challenges or the struggle is. At the start of this year, a lot of the, some of the work I was doing around getting rapport through video link, through Zoom or through Teams, because the frame that a lot of companies and businesses would set often is to start a conversation with an apology that we're doing this virtually and that it's, you know, it's not the same as virtual. Well, mine was to say then say, well, actually Zoom and these types of things, these can be our high performance tools because we can go back, we can record, we can watch. It can be like a development tool if, if used it correctly. So that was one thing to say. But the, the point there is that the, the problem was mostly in mind what they associated with it. There was little evidence to actually suggest this is actually really a problem for us. So the one tool is there is to get really clear on what is the evidence I've got that this is a problem, whether it's personal or conflict-based. And then some of the tools that I've found sort of crop up for, for you know corporate leaders and business leaders is one is you know how do you run your own brain effectively and within that is our state management that's a big one that's your mind body emotional energy field um, how do you run that and what states do you require and would you like for certain circumstances certain contexts board meeting whatever it might be uh sort of attitudes and actions so is that how do we run our own brain effectively and are we capable of holding multiple perspectives at one time so multiple points of view often uh it might be that if there's a conflict grounding a 101 disagreement well how what's the best way to help someone go through different perspectives first person second person third person and fourth person's perspective like dialing in with your physiology actively doing some role plays and looking through those eyes of the first second third fourth person often help neutralize uh, problems and and allow people to, to handle them more effectively um and then similar to running your own brain is to is to speak and sort of live your truth no matter what the external environment is happening and this links again to responsibility and something I recently just wrote about. And actually for me to come and not question, but to put to someone says, are you being responsible? A grown adult in a, who's maybe a CEO or something and say, you're being, you're not being responsible, response able, like how able are you to respond in a certain time in a certain manner that serves you or your team effectively um so covid is a, a very good example where because of covid we say xyz because of this and again actually it this comes down to your four powers your think feel speak and move there's very little that can affect that you're in total control of that so speaking and living your truth no matter what the external is the, the three big areas so, yeah so run your own brain how many perspectives are you capable of holding first second third fourth person and um and hold on to your powers no matter what the external is uh, is going is happening and for our final question um, if you could go back to the start of your performance coach career is there anything you would have done differently there really, there really isn't. Other than, uh, there's maybe one thing, is that the tip I, uh, the little tool I discovered probably in the last 12 months or so, 18 months of, of, of speaking from my gut instinct more, that would have saved a lot of energy and got things moving quicker uh, had, I, had I been better practiced, and it takes practice at doing that. That would be the only thing really. Other than that, no, I have to say that it was exactly where I needed to be at that exact time. 
And uh, probably that's a nice message as well for the clients as well. You are exactly where you are right now for the resources that you have available to you. And um, that's, uh, that's what, so, so yeah, no, no, nothing too different. And that's nice because it taps, that taps. So it's a question like that of the client doing the work, you drip that, you put that question to them. And, it's, and if, they, if they're not really where they want to be, then, okay, what resources do you need, internal and external, to, to then get there? But, but for right now, with the resources you have available to you, you're, you're where you need to be. And that's a nice, mindful, I think, present. Um, so that is all for me. Thank you for your time. Cool. Thanks. Thanks very much, Andrea. Thank you for those questions. Thank Pleasure. You. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks, guys.